What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 58 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. I had to look at my phone because I wasn't sure. What episode you weren't here last week, so you're totally off. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know. Anything could have changed. This show might not even be the same show anymore. I renamed it. What is it now? Kevin the Potato and his three best friends. Welcome to the first ever episode of Kevin the Potato <laughs> and his three best friends. Yeah, is that what said? Nailed best it. Friends. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So what's the source of this Kevin Potato thing? Is it the same potato thing that the internet him. has the potato thing? Well, I started it and then they jumped on it. Got so it. So I'm calling Greg I just started calling Kevin a potato because he kind of mm-hmm. looks like a potato sometimes. He kind of does. Like a sexy potato. Like a fingerling potato. <laughs> My God. <laughs> fingerling potatoes are the bomb. Putting that out there right now. They're pretty good. Love a good fingerling good. potato. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, I'm Tim Geddes. I'm joined by the coolest dudes in video games. That's going to stick one day. I want. I want. I, everyone, does. I know, but I want like the people that aren't our people. I want like other people to think that you guys are the coolest dudes. Okay, you know, like the other dudes in video games. I want them to be like, oh, one day I want to be great. And what about the other dudettes in video games? Well, they get their own, okay. their own scale. Okay, no, you can't be on that scale, Greg. Okay, just in case the ego is getting in the way, you can't win that one. Oh, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. So, if you are not familiar, this is a show every week over here on YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Games. We talk about video games and all the things that we love about them. We also do it on iTunes and SoundCloud. There's a problem with iTunes. I don't know why. Really? Yeah, we should just start talking about this in all the shows. If you're subscribed oh, right. to us, unsubscribe and resubscribe. If, it, we've been, if things are coming up in notifications, feed, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't know what's going on. I think it was an iTunes podcast thing across all the boards. I'm seeing a lot of people saying this shit. So make sure you check that stuff out. Leave a review if you feel so inclined. And uh, just say something. Say something about us. You know, Let us know how we're doing and all that stuff. Are we allowed to talk about this shirt? I want to know more about this we are. shirt. We this are is a very nice shirt. Where did this come this from? This shirt came from Insert Coin Clothing. Okay. Insert Coin Clothing. This is not a plug, by the way. This is not an ad. This is not no. planned. Well, I mean, I, I like them. It's well, sure. No, my... no, no. I'm just saying yeah, it wasn't like, by thing. the way, we're no. brought to you by. This is sponsored in the sense that I, it was not sponsored, but uh, I saw the, a bunch of clothing from them. I'm like, fuck, I like this shit. So I reached out to them. And yeah. I was like, hey, like, oh, I want some of your shit. They're like, oh, I'll send it to you. And I'm like, they were super nice. This shirt's awesome. I like this. I like it too. It's Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty's my homie. So. That's cool. Um, I also got a rare shirt from them. Oh, that's what I, I, I saw you wearing that yesterday. I didn't yeah. realize that was from them. That's over on featured on the Game Over Greggy show. You can go to youtube.com slash kind of funny to see that one. Um, but anyways, yeah, insertcoinclothing.com. Check cool. them out. You'll probably like something they have over there. They sell the like Nathan Drake's scarf. And like it's there's a lot of licensed stuff that's like actual sure. game. They're the ones who did the cool things. Diamond Dogs jacket, right? Yes. The Diamond Dog, the PlayStation jacket. Yep. I got that one. It's pretty why haven't you worn that yet? Because um, I'm, I'm waiting. Just okay. build up. Just sorry, build up. Anyways, um, more of the rigmarole. Patreon.com slash kind of funny games. You can get the show early and get exclusive episodes. I think that's the more cool thing. Only costs a dollar. This episode going to be worth the dollar. Yeah. I can tell you right now. Sure. I feel some good discussion coming on. I like it. Yeah. We've been playing a lot of video games recently. We have. Let's start this one off right. Just like right now. Topic one. We're going to give a bunch of reviews and impressions of ah. games we've been playing. So this is a, a mix of a topic of what are we playing right now with, you know, more substantial thoughts, thoughts. On, on games gotcha. without having to give a full topic to the games. Because I feel like right now, especially with the games we're talking about here, not all of us have played them or some are more Tim or more Colin or more Greg. Right. So we'll just kind of give mini reviews slash okay. impressions. You want to start this one off? Sure. How you doing? Good. Good. Good to see you. Uh, my name's Greg. Uh, lately, I've been playing. I started Far Cry Prime last night. Put about an hour and a half into it, maybe two. Uh, played the night before that episode one of Minecraft Story Mode. Late to it on that one, but saw mm-hmm. it on the thing and didn't want something. I wanted something that was going to end. I didn't want to jump in that night knowing Far Cry Prime was the next day and get into something that I wouldn't have time to actually done. Mm-hmm. And then I also beat Layers of Fear this this past since we've last done this. Cool, or whatever. Cool. So I've enjoyed all of them. 
Um, starting with Far Cry Primal, only an hour and a half in, right? Um, I feel like I'm waiting for it to get amazing. You know what I mean? It's more Far Cry. It's Far Cry with a primal skin, I feel like. And I know that that sounds like a knock, and I know they went out of their way in the, the event we went to to say that's not what this is, but it's what it feels like it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, if that makes sense. Like, I'm playing it, and it's like, okay, cool. Like, the crafting system seems not necessarily deeper, but it's more la- it's laid out better, I feel like, or at least I know where I'm going in, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, before, where it's like, I don't know if I'm going to get to this, and you had to drill down into menus. Kind of everything's up there. Uh, same thing with, like, the skills in terms of improving your character and doing this. I'm seeing it right, you know, on the, the thing there. But, the you know, the, the HUD, the little radar, the map, it all looks like Far Cry, and it's the same idea of Far Cry, and go here and take out these guys and light the bonfire to take that. And that's all great. It's all well and good, but, like, I was talking about it to Nick today, right? And he was like, yeah, okay, cool. And he's like, are you going to beat it? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to beat it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is a game I'm going to play for a while, I bet. But even tonight, I'm like, do I want to play that or do I want to play episode two of Minecraft story mode? You know what I mean? Like, it do- it's it was, this Far Cry Primal is checking the boxes of being, I'm a video game and you have all these question marks on the map. Don't you want to go investigate them? And I'm like, I, I do. I do want to go investigate them. And don't I want to make the be- bigger uh, quiver for my arrows? I'm like, I, I really do. So I do have to go hunt down these dingoes or whatever the hell, however dingos. I pronounce this thing. <laughs> and so... There and that's all there, but for me in particular, and I wonder how much this will be for everybody else too. I and you know I always talk about being this story horror and this different thing. Like I don't feel a connection to these characters. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it is for me uh, a hurdle that I like. I'm reading everything, not that I hate reading, but just because like I, I'd rather hear my character talk. I wish they would have done. I think when we were when we were at the event, I talked to you about like. Are they going to transition at some point? You know how sometimes movies or cartoons or shows will do that where somebody's speaking Russian and then like the camera swings around and they start speaking English. So it's like it's established. They're not speaking English. Yeah. But here you go. They're speaking English so you can understand. It's not doing that. So it's like, okay, cool. Like the whole time I'm like, well, and like also it's primal, of course. Right. So it's like, what's this girl's name that I'm helping? Yeah. Like, What's her deal? And I got to go get a shaman or whatever. It's like, all right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's fine. The idea of building out the community because you have to go like there's like side missions to go help you know, whatever, wayward uh, villagers or whatever, then you can bring them back and put them in your village and build out your village and make it bigger. That seems cool. That seems like what's going to be different compared to Far Cry 4, the Far Cry's we know before, but not having really invested that into that yet and investigated, I should say, I don't know if that's going to be enough. And mm-hmm. I have such a bad taste in my mouth from Fallout base building. You know, I'm not, I'm not like jazzed to make a community. I'd rather roam the countryside. Like, I keep, you're, already, you're already running into like, oh, you don't have a grappling hook yet. I'm like, ooh, grappling hook's going to be dope to cool. get. Yeah, that's going to be dope to get and shoot mm-hmm. around here. But it is Far Cry. It is a video game. It is go do all these things. But even then, it's like, I think I've pieced this together. I think you and I were talking about, I was like, I think I beat Far Cry 4. I saw both endings. Da, da, da. I watched Steimer beat Far Cry 4. And then, so I played Far Cry 4, but never finished it, but watched her beat it. And then I did the, like, the ending where you just sit there for 15 minutes in the beginning of Far Cry 4. That was all well and good. But now that I'm playing this, it's almost making me like, hmm, it'd be cool with a wingsuit and shooting stuff. Maybe I want to go back and play that instead of this. You know what mm. I mean? But I'm going to give this more time. But I... In traditional, I think, Telltale fashion, I'd let this, uh, you Minecraft. know, Minecraft uh, slept on it a bit. Like, you know what I mean? I was I was trying to just wait for it all to be done, like mm-hmm. to get to episode five, but episode five, nowhere in sight right now. They say, say soon. Um, I was like, oh, whatever, I'll try it. Jumped in, tried that. It starts off like, who are these? What's happening? And then I really got into the characters and the the play between them. You know, um, this is their first one where they're really using like celebrity voice actors. You know what I mean? So there's like people in there other than, I mean, Scott Porter's in it and like a bunch of the other Telltale people, but Patton Oswald, you know what I mean? Is like this main character of the game or whatever. And so I like him. I like where the story's going. Episode one did make me want to play episode two. So I think tonight I might actually just hmm. play that instead of Far Cry. I saw that you tweeted yesterday. You're like, oh, I'm happy to see that they did the same type of intro that the right. other ones are doing. What, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, Tales from the Borderlands, when it started, you know, like, 
I feel like, you know, for as much shit as Telltale gets, they do evolve their product as they go, right? And Tales from the Borderlands was the first one where it was like, I feel, uh, we're going to give you uh, this game that's lighthearted, fun, it's based around the story or whatever, and we're going to present it to you like you'd expect a really good TV show or a really good movie. And so what Tales from the Borderlands always did is that you'd start playing the episode and then there'd be this like critical moment, like maybe 15, 30 minutes into the game or whatever, where an awesome song would come in to set the mood of what mm. the game's going to be. And then it would be like slow motion, funny, like the words and the gearbox logos or gearbox logos are coming in and falling in. Like, you know, you're tumbling through the sky or doing this thing. And it was like, it was like this great breather all of a sudden after this short little appetizer introduction of like, now we're getting into like, this is what you're playing. Here's this awesome intro, you know, mm-hmm. to establish what's happening. And it was different for every episode because it wasn't like, you know, the Sopranos opening that always is the same clip, right? It was this thing in the world of what's happening in the story. Mm. And so I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if they, if that was something they were doing for tales from the borderlands or if they were going to expand it to other things and they have it in this game too. Cool. So like you started off and like, yeah, you're, you know, you're you, this in episode one, you know, tumbling through the air. This is coming in. Creepers are there. Spiders are there and it's fun stuff. So the layers of fear. Well, I'm not done with story mode. The thing about story oh. mode that I find interesting though, is when I'm playing it, it makes me really want to stop and play Minecraft. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, I'm enjoying the story part of it. And I think maybe now it's different based on the fact that I've beaten the episode. I'm even more. But in the beginning, for sure, when I was playing, like, you know, they're in the Minecraft world or whatever. And they're, they were going to a build competition and stuff. And I was like, hmm, I should probably start Minecraft on PlayStation 4. Because I've been playing on Vita forever. And that's fine. But, like, it's limited. You know what I mean? And I think that's hampered my excitement to go back to it just because it's a smaller world. Whereas PlayStation 4 worlds are crazier and better builds and, you know, caverns. Better minds. Yeah. You don't know what I'm talking about. You better better minds, better crafts. Better crafts, indeed. Yeah. And then, yeah, Layers of Fear. Layers of Fear, we did uh, the sponsored Let's Play that's up over there. And when we went and played that at the Haunted Mansion, which you can go watch on YouTube.com, such kind of funny games, it was fun because we were all being goons to each other and stupid, but it was like a relay thing. And Colin went first. So when I went in there and sat down to play Layers of Fear, no idea what the fuck's happening. You know what I mean? Like, I'm playing it, and it's just like... All right, collect this, do that. This guy's talking. Is is uh, is this a random dude? I don't know. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so last week when I got my code and sat down to actually play it, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it and how actually interesting the story is. And when you start in that thing, you're like, oh, the voice is me and I'm this character, and this has happened to my wife, and I had this daughter, and like, how does this all play into each other? And you're picking up notes and reading about this story of like, oh, like. This is actually really, really interesting. And it's another, you know, game similar to Minecraft story mode, right? Where, like, even tonight, like, I'd like to play something that has an end. So I'm done with it, and I feel like I've completed yeah. a chapter, and I put it away. Like, Layers of Fear, you know, six chapters, you can beat it in a night. I, I think I mm-hmm. spaced that out over two just because I started late. But it's the same thing of, like, I go through, I explore, and, I, you know, it's conquerable. And then when it's done, I feel like I've accomplished something. And I, I if I want to go back and jump back in and do this thing, I could. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I want to get the whole story out of it. But it was fascinating. It was a interesting story. It runs like shit on PlayStation 4. Uh it it is it has scares. You know what I mean? When I was playing it, it, it for me it is like that. All right, PT didn't happen, but this is like similar to it and it's going to give you the same kind of spooks and scares and stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. "Oh, okay, cool." You know what I mean? And when I dug about it, you know, on t- uh, as I'm playing it, it occurred to me that like this is my preferred haunted house. Like, you know what I mean? Like in Halloween, when you go to the haunted house and the guys in the mask jump out and stuff, it's like that thing of like, oh, that was funny, how, huh? but like, eh, it wasn't great. You know, I don't know. It didn't, it never yeah. really gets me that much. You know what I mean? Whereas this one, it's like, you know, you do something and you, you turn a corner and you're like, it's a dead end. I'm like, I got to turn back around and the world's going to be completely different now. And something and you're trying to get, you still get scared because yeah. you don't know what's going to be there because in the video game world, literally anything can happen. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in the haunted house, it's just some fucking broke ass college kid with a mask on. I did not enjoy it. 
nearly as much as it sounds like you guys did. did like, you, play, I, you played the whole. Thing? I didn't. I didn't beat the whole thing, but I don't. I don't even want to. I got. I played. Mm-hmm. I played most of it. I, I, I think most of it. Yeah, and it just. I don't know. It felt like it wasn't what it was trying to be overall. Like it wasn't sure. PT. And yeah. like I, I really enjoyed PT, and I enjoyed the story of PT and how like figuring out little things. This to me kind of just felt like it was trying to just get all the big scare moments out, and it's like I, it felt like a kind of just adding all the different things that we've seen from the horror games over sure. the last couple of years into one just thing. And just like here's this moment, here's this moment, and it like almost becomes predictable of where the scares are going to oh, be. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the greatest offense though is that the game, while it was designed just kind of like you know, let you explore these areas and feel like you're, you know, getting the story and all this from the the, the atmosphere and the environment. Um, it was tunneling you to get to this next moment, get to this next moment. And I feel like the game didn't do a good job of making sure those moments were optimized to be seen by the player. Like, mm. I feel like there was multiple times where like I'm there and I know when I turn around, somebody's going to be there, but I turn around and I wasn't exactly facing where the scare happened. Sure. You know, um, or even in, in Colin's Let's Play, like, there's a scene where you're walking down the, the hallway and thing like the paintings start like coming off. And I, there's something there's something a little bit off about it that I was like, that could have been scarier. Mm-hmm. Like that could have actually been a surprise instead of, all right, this is going to happen. Gotcha. Like, I feel like it's really telegraphed and it just misses the mark in terms of the scares. And in terms of the gameplay, it's like, I mean, it is very simple. It is just like a walk around and do things. Right. So it's like, it's, you know, whatever. That's all fine. But it's just because we've seen so many scary games in the last couple of years that are just you're walking around something and things are just happening. Sure. Like this kind of felt like a a bad greatest hits album. Um, That's kind of my thoughts on it. Interesting. No, I, I don't think you're wrong. Like I'm saying, I think it is telegraphed at times. And I do think, it. you know, like I say it's like PT. It's mm-hmm. not PT. It doesn't have the presentational value of PT, right? Like I think that like. You're, you know in terms of how it looks how it runs you know the voice acting it's like okay like this clearly isn't a triple a game but i enjoy mm-hmm. it Colin, it, you played it uh, well just real quick i think it's just what i was saying about like the there's acclimation of all the stuff in one it's just like all right here's baby dolls oh here's a big face here's like scary paintings that do stuff and it's like man it's real and oh here's like goo there's the black goo and it's like if they just stuck to kind of maybe one aesthetic i think i would have enjoyed it a lot sure. more whereas this it was just like so much different things they're like horror it's horror yeah you know um. Yeah. To reiterate, we we did have a sponsorship with them, so you can take everything we say about the game with a grain of salt if you want. But um, uh, I think the game's quite clever. Um, and uh, think it's actually really good. Um, and you yeah, didn't think, like PT. Uh, yeah, PT was strange to me. I mean, this game's clearly inspired, very inspired by PT. I don't think it's like PT at all, but I think it's I think it's it's inspired by it. Um. The game uh, does a really nice job of rewarding exploration and rewarding uh, being very thorough with the storytelling. I actually find it quite engaging and captivating. I uh, was playing it through all one night and I got distracted during the last chapter by a phone call. So I never went back to it, but uh, uh, I will. I mean, I just have to finish the last that sixth chapter. But so unless it falls off the cliff, I don't know that it's going to be any worse than what I think it is. Uh, but I, I do enjoy the uh, rifling through shit and like being rewarded for finding letters and newspaper clippings and stuff like that. And the story is really interesting about the the, the struggling artist and his wife who gets into a terrible accident. And I don't want to spoil too much of it, but like you don't you could really go through the game without knowing any of the context at all. If you're just not if you're not thorough, it reminds me of Gone Home in the sense that um, it's not nearly as good as Gone Home, but it reminds me of Gone Home in the sense that uh y- the more you engage with the world around you, the more you get out of it. It's the exact opposite way I felt about Firewatch, where it was Firewatch was just whatever. Like it, it the story wasn't bore, like kind of boring to me. It didn't really matter 
what was going on in the game and there was no reason to really explore because the game didn't compel you to do so directly. Um, and I think Layers of Fear does a really nice job of saying, like, you know, maybe try rifling through some of the shit because most of the time you're not going to find anything and you actually start to get frustrated after a while opening everything and, like, there's nothing there. But then, like, you see a newspaper clipping or you see a photo or something and it gives you a little bit of context uh, for what, what this, this gentleman's going through in the game. So I think that it's quite clever. It doesn't run well on PS4, but, um, but I like it a lot. Like, I think it's, a, I think it's, I don't know if I'd say it's great. Maybe it is, but I, I think it's good. I think it's very good. Um, if you're into, you know, the, the more walking simulator a horror game and I actually think the horror is quite clever because it's 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 very uh, um, what's a good way of putting it it's it's like chapter by chapter based in the sense that like with the baby stuff for instance like that's all that whole chapter is about the kid so like that like that's interesting to me it, it, it's not like a when we played it at the, the mansion it, it did see like it seemed like it was the greatest hits of uh, you know like um, of horror tropes or whatever but like in context it's I don't really see it like that at all I don't and I don't find the game uh, the, the jump scares and stuff like I don't find any of them scary at all like I don't think that that's what the game's about uh, and I don't think the game's about seeing everything that it wants you to see either in terms of like the f- things flying off the wall or people creeping around you or whatever I think it's more about the psychological horror of the, the house and this guy's like this guy's like psychosis so I think it's quite I think it's quite good personally um, I've been playing Saturday morning RPG a lot on Vita and it's it's really good um, what is that? It's uh, it's an episodic. So these guys did a Kickstarter for this game some time ago, and they only raised ten thousand dollars. So it's a pretty low budget, uh, turn based role playing game based on this kid named Marty, who is like an eighties kid, and and uh, it's it's all these eighties tropes in the game. So it's it's five episodes. Each episode's like two hours long. I'm on the fourth episode right now, and uh, you just like you're in a high school, like an eighties high school, or you're you know you're going through. It's it's just it's very silly, and like the bad guys are like the the GI Joes basically or Cobra. They're called the like the the bad guy's name is Commander Hood, um, and uh, the Transformers are in it, and like there's all these like Back to the Future references and etc. Mm. and so on. So it's, it, uh, but it but the gameplay is actually really solid. Explained a little bit on PS. I love you, so I'm sorry if it's redundant for people that that have listened to that show as well. But uh, you have a trapper keeper like a binder, and um, it keeps you keep everything inside of it that you find. So you find like stickers, like scratch and sniff stickers or whatever, and you can like use five of them at a time before each battle to like raise your defense or like lower the hit points of an, of a, uh, this the sounds creatures, fucking awesome. And, right. but like they pop up on the Vita and you like scratch them like quickly and like you have five huh. seconds to get them all. And then like some of them pop up and you like know the status elements and stuff. And then you get into the game and you find like these, these tools that you use. So you can like just punch and fight normally or charge yourself up to, to do more damage. But you find like different items in the world that, um, you can use in battle as well a certain amount of times per battle. So you can find like a basketball that if you like hit the enemy with it, like it, it, it causes burn damage and you can find um uh like a simon game that like if you keep doing it in order like it causes like random status elements to the enemies or whatever and then you fail and it can cause like status elements to you basically um so like there's there's all sorts of like different tools the game's quite clever it's 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 uh, somewhat difficult again it's not pretty it's not like over the top or whatever but there's a lot of like funny references in it and for people that grew up in the 80s and the in the early 90s i think that it will really resonate with them as well and it's just uh it's just quite silly and and uh, it's cheap so it's on PS4 and Vita. You can play it on PC as well, I think. Um, I've been spending quite a bit of time with that. And then I downloaded uh, Trails of Steel, of Cold Steel finally, um, which is a role-playing game that people that's getting quite a bit of acclaim on the Vita. It's also on PS3. Um, but I only spent about an hour with it. It wasn't scratching the itch that I wanted right now, but I am traveling uh, right after the show, so I'm going to start jumping back into it and seeing if it if it resonates with me because I do, you know, I do see something interesting there, but I just, it just wasn't resonating with me in that way. Saturday morning RPG on the other hand was like really scratching some itches for me and, and, uh, really enjoy it. I do highly recommend it. It's the low times are a little slow on Vita. Um, but there's something like really 
quite quirky and clever and i think it's it's uh it's a lot of fun to you play. said uh what is it episodic or just broken up saturday morning rpg yeah like it's all within the same game but there's like five episodes how long are the episodes game? roughly two hours or so okay. hmm. so uh yeah and then your stats carry over from one to the next or whatever and then you know it scores you based on how thorough you are in finding secrets and finding the stickers and the items or whatever so you can go back and play them again and there's like a battle mode and an endless mode and stuff like that so it's uh it's it's a it's a pretty good game uh I've I've definitely enjoyed it. Maybe maybe uh maybe my favorite game of the year so far when I really think about it. But it sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat. I've been traveling a lot cuz of Philadelphia, so there was a lot of flights and a lot of layovers, a lot of bullshit. Um I told you I wasn't going to bring my Vita yeah. cuz I wanted to focus on Fire Emblem right. um Fates. But I ended up bringing it and one one of the flights I played Fire Emblem Fates and Birthright and one of them I played Digimon Story oh, nice. Cyber Sleuth. And in between, I was just on my phone. I found this new mobile game that is awesome. And I want you to try it, Colin. Because this is one of those things where if it was on Vita, you'd be all fucking over it. It's called Tomb of the Mask. Wait. Tomb Tomb of the Mask. And it's awesome. It reminds me, it's uh, like if Pac-Man and Super Meat Boy fucked, like this would be the the result of it. It's a really fast-paced thing where, you know, in Pac-Man, you kind of just, you just choose the direction he goes. Imagine if that had the like kind of just like sl- like super fast, just like sm- splashing against thing nature of Super Meat Boy, where you're in this tower and you're just going up and uh, there's like a right, the bottom of the screen's rising like Tetris style kind of to get you and just keeps going faster and faster. And you're just collecting like little dots and coins and stuff. But the game does a really good job of like rewarding you and making you want to keep leveling up and keep getting more points and stuff. And every t- time you reach like a certain amount of uh, little pellets or whatever you get like you reach a new level and like the screen explodes with like mm-hmm. you're now level five you're now level six and it's like i don't really know what it means but i want it you know what i mean and yeah. it, it's like a perfect it's a perfect mobile game for me where it's like i keep finding myself laying in bed i'm like i'm level up three more levels like just you know mash it out till then I'm like, oh, i guess i'll keep going a little longer or like if i'm waiting in line for something and like it's one of the, it's a good game for that um and it was perfect when i was just on my flight just like in between doing other stuff like I don't, sure. I don't really want to invest in like an rpg right now so for right now i'm just gonna bang this out and it's pretty fun and i want to i want to see what you have to say about it yeah, i'll play it on your phone if you want. um then there's a uh, fire emblem fates what do you think oh i mean i love it. it's fire emblem yeah. fire emblem is one of my favorite franchises i think overall and it's such a surprise to me because i obviously got into it only after smash brothers because it wasn't in america till then and um, you know, then I kind of went back and I've I've played all of the the American games that have come out. And, like I love them so much. And this was the first time that a new one was coming out that I wasn't super super stoked for. Like I never really liked the look of it. Um, there's and it, it was confusing to me that there's three games. So there's Birthright, Conquest, and Revelation. And it's the same. The beginning of the games are always the same for the first six chapters, but then there's a. Uh, like then it, the story branches and it does different things based on which family you choose. And then revelation is kind of like the true ending like version where okay. you don't choose either side and you just kind of like do your own You're playing thing. the story. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's interesting that they, they released it that way where it's two separate cards. So it's kind of like Pokemon red and blue. And I'm seeing a lot of places review the game as if it's the same game which doesn't really make sense to me because it's more similar to Zelda Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages where they're two very different games. They have similar, you know, things going on and some the same characters and stuff, but like it's very totally different game. Um once you reach a certain point or you can buy the special edition which is the one I have that has all three on one cart and that gives you the option to once you beat the game, once you beat Birthright, Birthright, 
you can start from chapter six. So you don't need to oh, replay, nice. which nice, is good. Nice, nice. And that was a worry I was going to have. I was like, oh, I don't want to have to do that. It's like the, basically the tutorial missions again. Yeah. So I'm happy you don't have to do that. I, I haven't beat any of them yet. I am 85% through Birthright. And um, they, they've made it really clear that Birthright is the easier of the two games. And I wanted to, you know, kind of work my way sure. up. I think the proper way to play would be Birthright, Conquest, and then Revelation. Um, and it's it's really it's really good, you know? Um, I The reasons I was trepidatious about it is I don't really like like the designs of the characters too much. Uh, it has the, the two families. One of them has a more European flair, and one has a way oh, more old-school Japanese feel. Konnichiwa. Whereas all the other Fire Emblems have been a bit more, like, anime-style European vibe, sure. you know? And... For all the reasons I wasn't excited about it, playing it, I'm like, oh, I like that this is different. Like, I'm not just another guy with blue hair and a sword. Mm. Like, your main character has white hair and a sword. Oh, there you go. Totally uh, no, but it's, but the main character isn't the kind of just warrior style that you're used to having in the Fire Emblem games. Um, she or he, mine's a she, turns into a dragon. So it's like the, in Fire Emblem, it's characters that can like turn into animals and stuff. So it's, I like that there's just a, a kind of shift. It'd be the equivalent going back to Pokemon of if they were to make a Pokemon game that you don't choose either a fire, water, or um, leaf starter, you know, like actually choosing different types and stuff. And it's like, I appreciate that they, they tried to at least shift this core gameplay element a little bit enough that like it affects the storyline and the actual gameplay of it instead of just having one character that you just have that just goes through and destroys everybody and is obviously stronger than everyone on your team. Yeah. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Birthright, I hear, and from what I'm playing in the game, it's it's way more straightforward than Conquest is in terms of the mission objectives. It is just kind of go through, clear the map, go through, clear the map. Um, but even then, it's interrupted with like kind of new twists on it that keep it interesting. And I, I always like and appreciate that Fire Emblem does that. Like they, they understand when it is becoming just the same game over and over. Um, whereas Conquest, I hear, has like every mission has a different like gimmick or twist to the mission that you need to think about. And uh, one of those that's across all of them is because you turn into a dragon, there's these things called dragon veils, I think, where on the map there'll be squares that if you get on them, you can like use your dragon powers to change the landscape. So it's like if there's quicksand, you can like shoot fire at it, and it like makes it hard. So you can like walk over ah, it. You'd be able to move more spaces faster or whatever. But if you do that, it also affects the enemies. And that means they can get to you quicker mm. and stuff. And I, it's really cool. And it's it's one of those, it's a nice little twist that they added to the game in the same way that last year, or not last year's, last game's Awakening added the partner system where it's like, it's the same shit you know, but like it's a twist that really does kind of change the dynamics and flow of each match. And uh they also improved the partner system that they had in Awakening where it's not overpowered. Like in, in Awakening, you kind of partner up and just like wreck hell on sure. everything. Now it is a bit more, there's two options. There's more of a um, offensive or defensive based on whether you partner with them or just on a space next to them. And I like that it opens up a lot of strategic like elements to the game that really make you think about all your characters in in a way that I normally just focus on a couple and I'm like, I don't really care what happens to the rest of them. Um, having said that, the story is similarly like lame and you know, just kind of like here, here. It's fairly generic and here's your emotional moments and it's really kind of like paint by numbers. Um, Awakening had the same issue. Like I kind of missed like uh, Fire Emblem 9 had a, such an awesome story like Ike's game. I loved that. And uh, this is kind of just, it's like, all right, I, I, I get what's going on. Um, 
And I think my biggest complaint about the game is that the the characters are all so similar looking and have such weird names. And there's two families and like they throw you into this in a way that the other games don't. Where gotcha. I'm like, I don't know these characters and they're not different enough looking so that I can be like, Commit oh, all right, that's the healer that I really like need. This is the archer that I, mm, there's another, a better one, or this is the, you yeah, know, yeah. Paladin, whatever. And so it's like, there'll be certain characters where before I'd be like, all right, I know who my go-tos are. Now I'm like, oh shit, I just leveled up this person when I meant to level up this person. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to keep playing though. And it's definitely got me in its loop of like, I'm addicted to it. I want to keep playing and I want to keep, I want to, I'm going to play through all three of the games. And I like that the really the three games. And since I have it on one cart, it's just a super long ass game of gameplay that I love. So that's awesome. That's cool. And there's also a new defense mode uh, where like there's a a castle and you have to build a fort and stuff. I hate that shit. There's no game where I'm like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, So that's, that's upsetting to me, but the mode in that's cool where instead of going off and trying to fight everyone, you're defending so it's one of those things where like there's people come from all angles and you need to make sure you don't die for 11 turns. And it that completely switches the way you think about the game. And I like it a lot. So I definitely recommend it. Um, it adds to the 3DS's vast library in a way that was necessary over the last year. So It's a meaty game. People have been looking forward to it. Yeah. It's really good. And then, yeah, the last one, Digimon Story, Cyber Sleuth. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, you know, it, it's good. You know, uh, I can understand people that are really into it. It's not for me because it is just it's too long to be as generic as it is. And I feel like it takes too long to get me to the parts that I want. Sure. I'm a huge Digimon fan like the show. And this game, it, it blows my mind that we're finally getting a Digimon game that like looks similar and like like i'm like oh this gameplay is is cool and it's good um because i played digimon world the last digimon game i played was digimon world one on playstation one so i'm sure that they've gotten better since then because that one was really weird and all you did was clean up poop um but the, uh, hopefully they've gotten better digimon's always struggled with this thing where it started as a tamagotchi or uh, before tamagotchi there was digimon where it's just like uh you have a monster and you kind of take care of it and feed it and all that stuff and that's not the type of gameplay that i like you know um, I am more of a Pokemon guy. I like this whole thing. And this game, it's Pokemon, and I'm like, ooh. Well, I didn't want it to be just Pokemon. Like you're sure. actually catching them and like they evolve. And the whole thing about Digimon is they the digivolving thing's supposed to be like a status where they go up and then down. Um and this is more like they're at that level and they stay there, and it's like, oh, that's kind of kind of weird. That's Pokemon. And um, it's ve- the turn-based thing, it's very simple, and the biggest problem is it's easy. And even when I'm like five hours, six hours in, it's like, man, this is still like I'm just rolling through enemies like with one or two attacks. Mm. And like, there's not even a chance of me losing. And I'm sure it gets harder. But at the same time, like, I'm not sure it's ever even going to get difficult enough that um, it's going to be worth playing 40 hours for, you know, just for it to get kind of difficult. Sure. Because and it's not rewarding. Like, I I don't feel the need to, to level up the characters and whatever, because I'm like. It's just generic is kind of the best way I can put it. Like the music sounds really generic. Um, the look of it's great. Like it definitely looks nice. Um, it's on Vita and PS4. I think I'd prefer it on Vita. On PS4, it's a little like I I'm playing on Vita, but I turn it on my PS4 just to see how it would look. Sure. And it it's a little uh, sparse. Is it is it see. the exact same game? It's just yeah, exactly okay. exact okay. same game. Um, this is a game that came out in Japan a year ago, two years ago, and it, like people protested uh, to get it to come here and so finally did people are really enjoying it i'm I'm happy about that but for me it's just it's such uh just i'm gonna make a a jrpg here's what it is and as you're just walking around it's 
very empty locations. Um, the battle system, it's it's as primitive as a turn-based battle system can be. And I want to play with fucking War Greymon. I don't really want to. Of course just you do. Go around we with all shit. do. And like that's so many hours in, into it that like I I can't even imagine how long I'd have to play to get to that stuff. And that that doesn't make me want to keep playing. Yeah. Um. But I I get why people would like it because the the story does seem you know like standard Digimon fair and the characters obviously are the characters you know and love. So that's all cool. But uh, it's not for me. But I get that it's for other people, and I'm I'm happy I put as much time into it as I did. So. Good. There's that. Ladies and gentlemen, topic two of the day is Street Fighter V, but ah. specifically removing features that people kind of assume to be part of a franchise and then not having them in, in the new one. Like online play. If you were to take out online play. Street for, Fighter V was broken when it came well, out. Well, that's broken, but that's different. That's yeah, I different. know it was All a right. joke. I made a joke and Tim didn't react. It lacks an arcade mode. Uh-huh. So Street Fighter V comes out and does not have arcade mode, which most people think is blasphemy because it's like that is that How is you play the, Street Fighter. The, yeah, exactly. You know, like that is the mode if you're not playing uh, versus. And the the internet is upset about this. Obviously. They're upset a lot of things. They are. Um, and I just kind of want to see what you guys had to say about this. Like now, granted, the one thing is like there's not an actual arcade version of Street Fighter V, so a lot of people are making the argument that it's like, oh, well, there's no arcade version. I think that that's such a loose thing. Like it's such a just that they're just words. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you know what you want from arcade mode. There is a story mode, but it's uh not it's not what you think. It is each character has one match that you play that has some weird story based mm. elements to it. But there's not a mode you play that you play through and fight each you of the go characters. Up the challenge ladder and it gets harder. And then you get some it. stupid ending that no one cares about because fighting games. Hey, stories don't really make sense like those that. were all awesome endings in mm-hmm. dc versus mortal kombat i'm sure that they were great like, yeah. i'm sure that they were but colin i'm mostly interested in your thoughts on this because you're you i think are the exact audience that would have an opinion on this because you're not really going to play street fighter 5 but you know what street fighter means to you and you seem like someone would be like how the hell do you not have this yeah it's weird i mean when, when it, it makes you wonder what they were doing like for a long time and I'm sure that there's a lot of character balance and the roster is quite expansive and there's some new characters and they have to get all that stuff right but um, part of what I think people loved about Street Fighter 4 was um, and I do play Street Fighter um, not you know as, as competently as I once did but I, I love Street Fighter I'm actually a huge fan of the series um, and uh, people like Street Fighter 4 because of its robustness like it was there was a lot in that package that people enjoyed um, and then they supported it you know, with future iterations and, and then, you know, new characters and stuff like that. So it's weird to take a step backwards in something that seemed like it should have been a little more vaster and a little bigger. Now, the gap between Street Fighter 2 and Street Fighter 3 and then Street Fighter 3 and Street Fighter 4 were way bigger than the gap between Street Fighter 4 and Street Fighter 5, which is a small gap. So you could imagine that um, they could use that as an excuse to say, like, well, we didn't have time to really massage a lot of the stuff that we have to get, like, the things that we think are most important to the core audience right, which to them is probably versus mode and the online functionality of the game and the cross-platform versions because um, it is on PC as well as PS4. But uh, I, I am curious that if the game has a story mode, which indicates that there is AI, competent AI programmed at various levels for all these characters, then how hard would it have been to spin it into something very no frills, uh, very low budget um, in the main and just let people fly around a map and fight the enemies like that's that's like what's a little confusing to me is that all of the components, uh, with the exception of some various basic aesthetic things like the map and uh very basic uh programming in terms of you know just looping these things together like this is everything's there all the ingredients are there i don't understand how 
the game doesn't have that. Now, I think they are going to support it. Well, there is a survival mode now, which is, right. I mean, it is you fighting against the characters. It's just, it's just yeah, the little tweaks, and really, it's the name that, that's missing there. There's not a 1v1, a player versus CPU mode, like, without going into training mode and turning that on, or playing survival mode, which is different. You know, that's no, it is. It is that's different. not the classic going to each person, you know, three rounds. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it is strange to me because that's, I mean, that, you know, I liked playing Street Fighter against other people when I was young on in the arcade and Street Fighter 2 Super Nintendo. Um, if you wanted to play the broke ass Genesis version, you can do that as well. Um, but the, you know, Street Fighter 3 had its its audience, but Street Fighter 4 really had, there was a renaissance with Street Fighter. And that, that's what's so surprising to me is that Street Fighter was really kind of dead. Um, when Street Fighter 4 kind of came around, not dead, but maybe long dormant and no one really expected that it was going to be anything and it was something and people really enjoyed it. So it's weird to see Street Fighter 5 being a stripped down version of, of the old game, even though there's a lot of promise here and a lot of future support. And I like some of the, 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 the nice things, the pro-consumer things they're doing with the characters being free if you earn that in-game currency and stuff like that. But again, yeah, there's these different tweaks in these different modes, but that's the way I like to play. You know, I like the arcade mode of just not really knowing who you're going to fight next and not... You, you don't fight, you know, well, in the old games, you would fight everyone. But in, in a lot of the, you know, Street Fighter Alpha or three, for instance, which is like really maybe my favorite Street Fighter game. Um, you don't know who you're going to fight. And mm-hmm. uh, I like the, I like those kinds of things. And then it culminates with the boss fights and and uh, everyone has like their own kind of story that's in, interlaced in there as well. So I'm, I don't need like a plot. I just need like and they have that with story mode, I guess. I just need uh, more functionality in the game and we'll get it. But it, it is weird. Well, so what's interesting there is so, yeah, Street Fighter five is more of a platinum platform mm-hmm. than uh, than, you know, just one of those games. They said they're not going to do Super Street Fighter five. There won't be ultra. There won't be any adjectives or anything. It's just you get this game and over time there'll be DLC and the, in terms of characters, you can play in game to get them and they're going to be adding more modes and stuff. Arcade mode is not on that list. Oh, really? I thought, as it, was, of I, I thought it was. I mean, as I'm 99% no, I, 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 sure I'm that sure, it's sure. not on the list. No for, one told me that. At least the roadmap of 2016. That, that makes sense. Well, that's, that's strange because that was my assumption was that that was something that they would just they would just stitch in. They ran out of time. But this makes me think, like, is this something we've talked about this many times? Like with Halo, they took out the split screen local co-op stuff. And like, is it something similar to that where maybe they looked at the stats and they're like on arcade mode like mm. you guys are upset about this but like nobody's really using it. nobody's using it yeah it's weird because it's possible because you know street fighter 4 was the first internet connected street fighter game per se i mean you can play street fighter 3 online and stuff like that now but um so this was the first time that they were garnering like direct feedback from fans not just thing not just surveys or just anecdotal evidence but actually like feedback on how people are playing the game but i'm not so sure that's really a fair assessment if that's the way they got their statistics because when you're getting your bearings in any fighting game, whether it's King of Fighters, whether it's uh, Guilty Gear, whatever, like people are going to play against the computer out of pure curiosity. And I think the longer you're going to see like a, a, an inverse correlation between the longer someone plays a game and the longer a fighting games on the market and the fewer amount of single player matches that are played, because then it be- starts to become a more competitive mainstream game. And I don't mean mainstream in terms of like everyone's playing. I mean, mainstream in terms of like the fighting community has their ha- hands around us and they don't want to play against the computer anymore. Now they want to play against each other. So I don't know if they're looking at stats like that, that that's necessarily fair. And I don't know if that's what Capcom's doing or not, but that doesn't seem to make any sense to me based on the fact that like when you get this game in its embryonic state when no one's played Street Fighter 5 no one's even played as some of these characters ever um, you want to play against the computer you want to train and stuff like that and you can train and do all those kinds of things and play against static characters but if that's what they're reading into it I don't know that that's that's so fair in a time when like people want more content in their games it's weird to strip out the core single player component of Street Fighter 5 that said it doesn't seem to be affecting the reviews that significantly because the game itself apparently from what I've heard and what I've, I've talked to people about it because I'm curious about it mm-hmm. um, the game's supposed to be like exceptional so like that's that's one of the that's one of the disappointing things about it. no one doubted that the game was going to be great it's just a matter of you know what can you do with it and mm-hmm. so funneling people into these like very limited single player modes or 
right online or right into a, a, a local match just doesn't seem to be the spirit of the game right now but that's mm-hmm. going to be the spirit of the game in six months i mean I, I just think it's interesting because it's just a different take like just because it's not arcade mode you're not doing that like there, it you the survival mode or whatever you still can play against like computer characters and it, i feel like a lot of people are getting upset just because it's not the exact same thing that they've had for forever you know and i'm saying this is someone that isn't really a street fighter fan and if, if i were to play street fighter i'd want the arcade mode so it's like if i were to play like it would be kind of weird for me but at the same time it's like i could just make that happen so you're you know? saying in protest of no, no arcade mode you're not going to play street fighter 5 that is actually word for word wow. what i'm saying greg yeah you heard it here first on the kind of funny games cast yeah i, I don't i don't know like it's it, it's possible like you said that they're reading the tea leaves literally the digital tea leaves about like the data they're getting on the way people play games it's also possible that they were like we can just this survival mode which i'm not you know trifled with in any in any sense you know they could be looking at this being like this is just a competent replacement for what we already had and and they just assumed that that was what people wanted and i'm sure they focused as to the game and stuff mm-hmm. so i have you know this isn't a small indie release this is a game that's been in development for a long time and it's got two very big companies behind it so in capcom and sony so um i wouldn't be too worried about it but i i, I wouldn't also be surprised if like as far as i understand that maybe it's not arcade mode per se but i know that they were i know that yoshinori ono said at one point that Yosh. they were they were going to patch in significant story elements into the story game. elements and yeah. so i'm wondering if that is just the replacement for arcade mode it's just a, 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 a you know it's just a different name it sounds like that's going to be more of the story mode that's in this game which is actual story based things like examples i saw when i was reading about it is that like ken goes to like a party and it gets interrupted by people and like that there's one match that takes place based on that story and i think that the expanded story mode is going to be more of that um with like actual cg videos and stuff because right mm-hmm. now it is just static images of like like hand or just drawn images and text and stuff like in classic street fighter style yeah i don't i mean i, I don't see that that's necessarily it just seems like a very transitional kind of thing mm-hmm. but the, the thing that's most important with street fighter 5 is if it's if it plays well and because then they can build on that foundation and, yeah. and from everything i've heard it, it it's plays very yeah much. and it sounds like really balanced and really good people like the new characters i like that the there's you know the eight Classic characters, four characters we haven't seen for a long time, and four new characters with the promise of way more to come. This sounds like they're making a lot of smart decisions overall with it. I also like that it's a platform. I think this is something that we we talk about constantly from wanting from games, and the fact that they're doing it is a really good step forward. And also, I think a lot of the issues, like there's a lot of online issues and stuff that happens with day one games. I'm sure over time they'll sure yeah fix all doesn't that excuse stuff. the problem. No, for the sure. Big problems they had like two betas though. It's like one. Uh, yeah, what were you but doing? I mean, I think that that's just you know there's. I don't has any game ever launched that has flawlessly yeah with online, online? I, I don't, don't know think, I don't think I could be wrong but I, I think that like Destiny was fine and then Call of Duty was has was tip, is typically fine yeah I think no, so Destiny Destiny had issues it Call wasn't like Duty. it wasn't like Diablo issues though that's the thing it's like yeah, where I do you rank okay. you know what I mean yeah no, like, and that's true but my point is it's like they're they're working on it and that stuff will be fixed but I think that the we're seeing these games like Destiny that when it came out people had issues with the lack of content. You know, and then over time they added, and now no one has issues with that shit. And I think Street Fighter, it's weird that like that is now going to be a franchise that seen that way. I wonder where the game's going to be in a year, you know, and how much value it's going to be to buy the game because now Destiny is worth so much more than it was then sure, at launch. And then we look at other games. It's like we talk about like Gran Turismo would be a great one, and other stuff like that. But it's like how, what other games could could even have that that type of you know platforms? Platform. I mean, we always talk about every sports game. 
right? Yeah. Every sports game could be that easily. And then you get the you get a literal roster update, but then you also get the engine, you know, patch that's two gigabytes or whatever, right? That comes in and changes this and puts the new physics in and does this kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. always an easy one. But I mean, that goes from real sports, like if we're talking about NHL, if we're talking about Madden to WWE. Like WWE mm-hmm. should totally be a platform if they're not going to change it, which they're clearly not going to. They yeah. refuse to just give us the No Mercy engine with better graphics, which is what everybody wants. But whatever. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is like trying to think of like if there was games that mean a bit more to us than Street Fighter does. Like what are what are the some modes or stuff that like are so iconic to the thing that we don't really need at this point? Mm. You know, like, I don't have any off the top of my head, but it's like because I'm trying to think of what the equivalent is to like something that I really care about. Of like if that just wasn't there. Yeah. You know, well, it'd be like Halo multiplayer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that, that's true. Yeah. I mean, if they like cut out Call of Duty single player campaigns, they'd be bummed, you know. Um, they don't. They won't do that because a lot of people play it. But yeah, I mean, there's so, things that are fundamental to to games and um, the way we look at specific series and specific franchises and and the individual games within. So I, I understand why people are upset about this, even if it's more, even if it's overblown as many problems are. And I don't know whether it is or isn't because I'm just not familiar enough with the problems in the game. But it seems to me like it's something that can be solved once the the core if the core foundation is solid. This would have been way more tragic if it was bare and the game sucked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if it had a lot of content, the game sucked. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, which way do you want to have it? It's not to say you have to have it one way or the other, but at least it's this way and not the other way. Yeah, very true. Topic three. Oh, I thought you were saying giving me the, the hold on. No, I was giving you three. I was helping you out. I was giving you visual aid for somebody watching at home. This one comes from the kind of funny forums. Boy, Deuce. Deuce says... Hey guys, this question is about promoting video games. You guys do a great job and are able to reach a wide audience of gamers. Lately, I've noticed that Greg has been talking about how excited he is for The Division after finally giving the beta a shot. He's also mentioned in a few episodes how he'll be playing it online. Having played the beta and heard many online commentators talk about how content weak it is currently, and I agree with them. Now, I understand that everybody's tastes are unique and to each their own. I also understand that kind of funny is a business and money needs to be made, so no hate from me. I also noticed Tim subtly positioning the Coke bottle so the label faces the camera. Was he said he has an LOL after that was just wondering question is Greg getting paid to promote the division by saying he'll be playing it online repeatedly or otherwise it's all perfectly legal after all I thought this was a cool jumping off point especially given that we did one of our first video game sponsorships in a long time sure with, the with layers, layers of fear, of fear thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I just kind of wanted to talk about like our thoughts on the whole thing and just get everyone out there on the same page. To sure, know. we haven't talked about it in a long time. We talked yeah. about how we we're going to handle ethics and, and sponsorships and stuff when we started kind of funny, but we mm-hmm. didn't do it. As we said from the get-go, if we're doing sponsorships right, you'll never know. Yes, I'm being paid by the division and placed. No, 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 no. The whole point is we'll be upfront about everything we do. And so, no, I'm not being paid to talk about the division at all. So his point, he's got a little bit wrong. I played the division beta for like 40 minutes, got in, it was exactly what I wanted, and I got out. You know what I mean? My excitement around the division, first off, is that it's third-person action, which is my my jam. XP popping off when I kill people. And the promise that I know Kevin's going to play. Maybe I get to play a little bit with uh, Colin. Fredo's going to be playing. I bet I can get Nick on board. Me and Mitch were talking last night about having a standing like Monday date. Like It's going to be... And Scott Lowe's going to be playing. It's like I'm going to be playing... It's, it's going to be... It's the first game that I've seen from the outside coming multiplayer that I'm like, I like the gameplay. It's not space like destiny, which is a turnoff for me. And I know that's dumb, but it's not space like destiny. And it's like, my friends are going to be playing it. So it's like, I'm already invested in the fact that it looks like I'll be able to play through and gear up and get better and get XP. And then it's going to be that Scott pops on and I can go help his mission or, you know, Christine and I keep talking about playing together, right? That she, uh, chances are, since I'll knock on wood, we'll have it before she will, we'll be early that I'll be, you know, advanced and be able to come back and help out on her missions to go through or maybe roll a different character or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, not paid. 
haven't played that much, so he's talking about it being content light. I don't know anything about that. That's not. I don't know that. That's not a complaint I'm hearing from my friends who have, like, you know, Scott played dozens of hours, right? And it's like I don't know. He never. He's never said it felt content light. He said it felt great, and he loved it. And he can't wait for the real thing. So it's like that's all I need to know from my trusted peers, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, not paid for the division. Declare it all out. But in terms of sponsorships, the idea has been, you know, when they do come up that we tell our audience about and we never hide from that. We're not ashamed of it. You know what I mean? And the fact that we'll never do something or a sponsorship that does jeopardize our relationship with you. We'll never do something that we're that you're going to look at and be like, that's fishy. That's weird. Why they do that? A great example for us. I always talk about is the order, right? We did that order sponsorship or integration or whatever you want to call it, where Colin and I did like a rewind theater kind of thing on the website for the order and talked about the hidden things and brought you up to speed. If you didn't know any of the history about the order, then three days later we put up our review discussion and we were like, this game's not that great. Yeah. And that was the point is that we were being sponsored around content. That wasn't a review. That wasn't an opinion. It wasn't like we were, the review, us going through and looking at the, you know, the actual order website wasn't us saying this game's good or bad, buy or don't buy, good or bad, you know, 7.9 or zero. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's the same thing even with the Layers of Fear thing we just did, right? That was us doing a Let's Play of Layers of Fear, but it's really more about us getting fucked with in a haunted house and fucking with each other and being stupid. Yeah. And talking to the spirit guy. I mean, and, and even then, it's like there was no, never a point where they were like, you know, say these things about this game oh, yeah. or whatever. And we could have totally hated it. We could have like been making fun of it as we were playing. And like, it, that's, that's the way that cookie crumbles. And like, that's the, we go in being us yeah. and like they paid for that opportunity. That's what they wanted. And the thing about it, we keep saying they, and that, you know, the developers issued us a challenge is what we say in the video, right? Even though the description says we're sponsored or whatever. The interesting thing about it is we never had direct content with the developers at layers of fear, right? Contact. Yeah. I'm sorry. What I said, content. Yeah. Contact with the developers behind it, right? It was through layer media, which is, you know, our, you know, our friends and stuff who are also in the video production business who got this opportunity and then hired us to come be the guys because they like our content, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that weird thing of like, no, no, everybody's been awesome about it when we talk about it, you know what I mean? Like, we've taken your feedback in terms of like, well, you say in the video that they issued you a challenge, but you don't say specifically it's sponsored. And it's like, sure, yeah. we put in the description, Colin's been great on every show we do saying, you know, hey, this is what we think of Layers of Fear, but take out the grain of salt. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? It's it's all very interesting to think about. And like I come from a co- totally different world than you guys do because yeah. you guys were the journalist side of IGN, whereas sure. I was the business production side of IGN. And it's like I don't think that any of us disagree on this because it is there is ethics, there is a clear right and wrong with a lot of stuff, and then there's stuff that's not so clear. But to me, the clear thing is you can't buy opinions. That is when. Oh yeah, yeah. Shit if, gets if, bad. yeah ne- we're never gonna do something or say something where it's like, all right, we want to hire you to play this game, but you're not allowed to say if you like it or don't like it. Yeah, the, that's the big thing. If you and I was talked about before with this Final Fantasy event, mm-hmm. where I was like, sure, we'll do it. Colin talks shit about Final Fantasy every chance he gets. I don't, I respect it, but I don't play it, so I can't say anything. And Tim's gonna be the fan, and that was yeah. the thing with like, you know, I can't tell you much about the event, but even when we're talking about like. I, I'm not gonna. I'm, I told them straight up. If I play it and don't like it, I'm not gonna be like, "Wow, that's just great! What a fight!" Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, no. Yeah, no. And it's it gets really kind of complicated because you know people start feeling really entitled to, um, you know, just being known when there there's a commercial in front of them, and it's like. What's really interesting is there's there's so many rules that people don't know about, and there's so many rules that no one even knows because they keep adapting and keep changing. Like with the the FTC doing all all of its stuff in terms of advertisement, the rules on the internet, there is rules. They are constantly being redefined. Sure, of course. And what one group tells you is totally wrong than what another group tells you, and. Each establishment kind of just needs to come up with its rules and be transparent. I think that's what we have going for us is we're so transparent with the audience. Like we tell you guys, like you're never going to not know if something's sponsored. Like, and if it's ever not clear, if someone asks, you'll get the answer yeah. immediately. If and, it's ever uh, not clear that it's sponsored, we failed. 
Yeah, that's the point. You exactly. know what I mean? And like, so that it, whether it's something in the description, whether it is, you know, audio in the, the video, which we're, I think we're adding to video two, right? Or mm-hmm. whatever, to make sure that it's crystal clear for everyone there. Like we live and die by authenticity. That's the whole reason kind of funny works is because you out there care enough about our opinions. You're mm-hmm. not coming here for uh, a sexy face. No offense to him. You're not coming here for exclusive gameplay. Usually you're not, you know what I mean? Like, like you're you, the bread and butter of us is us talking to you about video games and you going, I respect their opinions. Yeah. So the moment I'm like, let me tell you why I love the division. BTW, this is brought to you by the, well, like, fuck me. You know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense then. Yeah. And that's, that's the other thing there is it's like, you know, these opportunities, we look at them as like a chance to do something cool that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Sure. Like we would have never done a let's play. Like, would we have played layers of fear? Not for sure. Maybe. Yeah, you know, horror games are great let's plays, and you know, it, it would have been on green screen, and it would have been, been just in a normal room. let's play. That that was my favorite. Like all the comments are like these production values, and it's like there you go. Like you see it already, right? The fact that like when we can be part of something that isn't opinion based and it's going to be a sponsorship, we can give you something different, right? Mm-hmm. Because la- layers layer media, which isn't related to layers of fear, but confusing yeah. to someone just getting on, has amazing cameras and a drone and all these other things that we don't have. We have Kevin. Yeah. He's good though. He's great. I, I, I love him. him. But like, I, if I was if I was to say, Kevin, give me a drone boom shot on that right now, he'd pick it up and slam it into the wall and drop it on the ground, <laughs> and then he'd trip over the cord. Yeah, it's really it's a case by case thing, and I think something that uh, I want to make clear to the the people out there is I do a lot of the the businessy like sponsorship deal stuff, right? And we never do something without having a discussion about it. You know, especially if it whenever it starts to get to the point of like an ethics question of like, where do we draw the line? I'll talk to you guys. I'll bring you sometimes separately just to get your different opinions and be like, you know, is this all right? Like what, what do you feel about this? How, what's the messaging need to be on this? Do we need to say brought to you by, do we need to clearly define it? And like all this stuff and we'll go back and we'll tell them. And if they're like, nah, then we'll be like, all right, we're not doing that then. You know, it's like they play by our rules once it comes to a certain point or we just say no, you know? And it's like, we can pass because we're in that position where we, we, we're not, begging for money to these people you know what i mean it's like we're they're coming to us and we're being like oh does this make sense for us can we do this and also the other question is can we make it make sense if it doesn't make sense and i think that's that's the thing is like you can't buy our opinion but it's like is there anything you like about this game it's like i don't know let us see let us find out and then we can go from there and like and you know with the i think the order is a perfect example he doesn't really love that game but it's like you guys did a video that's just doing a talking about the history of it and like all the the finding the secrets and stuff that stuff is interesting that stuff is cool and it is doing a service to somebody someone's interested in that content and it's not like that stuff is being affected by getting paid you know what i mean or getting money for the content and i think that is really kind of the the bottom line and also it's like is it cool is it fun stuff is it something that we want to promote because product we're proud of yeah yeah, it's like if, if this was i can't really think of an example off the top of my head but like the horror, like us going to Haunted Mansion and ghost hunting, I was sold instantly. Like, that's awesome. But if it was something that we didn't want to do because we didn't think it would make great content, even if it was funny, we wouldn't necessarily do it. You know what I mean? Like, we would have to have that conversation. Of, Does this fit our brand? Like, I personally think this is one of the kind of funniest videos we've ever done. Sure. You know, like, this is what I want to be doing is us being dumb shits, playing games and having fun and whatever. There wasn't a single moment that we were doing that that I was actually thinking about, like, is this a good game? Oh, sure. While we're yeah, playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was more like we're making content, you know? Yeah. What do you think, Colin? I, I mean, I, I the, about the video itself, I agree. I think it's a great video, um, but it came out better than I thought it was. And I think that I think it's obvious that it's sponsored. That said, like, uh, like even without any of the text, like, it's obvious that this isn't something we did by ourselves just based on everything we've ever done. Um, but 
that said, we can't make assumptions like that, and it's not right to make assumptions like that, which is why I've, um, you know, I always try to be clear. When the order came out, we did the same thing, and with this game, we're doing the same thing, where I was actually, unlike the order, I was, which I knew I, you know, probably wasn't going to like very much, um, I was pleasantly surprised by this game, so it's, but, but I do want people to know that, like, well, you know, we did get money for this video about this game, so... I really do authentically like the game, but if you don't want to believe me, I understand that, and you should know that this this certain this certain set of circumstances exists. So, and I don't, uh, and I'm right. allowed to say that, right? No, exactly. You know, they're going to take all the money back. No, um, but 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 that's all of that said. I do understand this uh, this the heightened skepticism around what's going on on the internet with 100%. advertising and stuff like that, and so I think. Um, People have every right to be skeptical. People have every right to ask their questions. Um, we have to be better, not just us, but I think everyone in terms of like, you know, highlighting when things are sponsored because, um, you know, there is a lot of shady shit going on out mm-hmm. there. Um, I, I proudly say that I've never been a part of it, but um, you don't know that. And like I under- and I under- and I so I get that. I understand that. But I think most people trust us and most people get what we're all about. And yeah, our we wouldn't gets do, it, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. wouldn't we wouldn't do something that um, that would compromise our. Um, ethical standing with you guys and our and and I would you know I, I think you guys know me as, you know well enough to know that I wouldn't do something that I thought compromised um, my right and ability to say whatever the fuck it is I want to say so we wouldn't we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't put ourselves in those kinds of positions but again I get it I mean you see shady shit going on all the time especially on YouTube so um, yeah. and speaking of that yeah. like kind of the the seed of all of this was that we, there was a comment that was like hey guys like you should make it a little more clear that it's sponsored because uh, machine oh, trouble thing, yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. so an, I, there's an article I want to read a bit about it. And then we can discuss it a bit. This is from Wired. It says, Machinima has settled, this is from last year. Machinima has settled with the Federal Trade Commission after an investigation into undisclosed paid endorsements, the FTC said today. Earlier this year, the FTC issued a complaint against Machinima saying that it had failed to disclose financial incentives regarding video content uploaded by its members' channels in violation of the Federal Trade Commission Act. Microsoft, through an outside agency, paid Machinima to produce positive videos about the Xbox One gaming machine, and many of the YouTube stars who accepted the deal failed to properly disclose that they were producing paid sponsored content not independent analysis the incident in question happened in late 2013 following the launch of the xbox one according to ftc's complaint a number of youtube channels they name a couple were commissioned by machinima to produce videos featuring the xbox one launch title rise son of rome in a way that showcased microsoft in a positive light the failures to disclose here um the failures to disclose here appear to be isolated incidents that occurred in spite of and not in the absence of policies and procedures designed to prevent such lapses, the FTC says. And it all ended with just like a slap on the wrist. There was no fines. There was no anything. It was sure. just like, hey, you can't do this. What's wrong about all that? Well, I mean, the fact that these individual people aren't doing it. I think the fact that like the uh, the intent is hidden. Okay. You know, the intent there was, I'm going to show, I'm going to sh- make a video showing you Rise, Son of Rome is good. Okay. Like, right, when we make videos about games, like, you know, you just did one with Nick about Far Cry. The intent there is to put out us playing this game and hopefully it's funny. It's yeah. not to say, I'm going to show Far Cry in its best light. I'm going to take Far Cry out at its knees, right? It's, I'm going to see what this game is. Yeah, and just to not, not to interrupt you, but the no, game please. crashed Far during, Cry during the, during the, uh, yeah, Far Cry crashed during our Let's Play, and that's in the Let's Play. I mean, like we're going to talk about that in the Let's Play. It's, we'll probably cut out the me rebooting because it's boring, but we talk about it crashing. It's not like we were like, well... Oh, sure. You know, let's well, hide well, the fact We're jumping it, ahead now to show you something a little bit different. We got the game early, too, so it's not like, you know... those. The thing that's important is that there's... there's it's I, I don't find it common at all, and I don't even know if I can think of a time when like you get access to a game early, at least when we've been doing editorial and we've been doing this kind of stuff, and everyone's like, well, gotta be positive. 
Yeah, like nothing. I, I don't. I I just cannot recall a situation like being. I'm trying to think. What was the game? There was a game with reviews where it was, there was a hullabaloo that if it was that if you game was if you're gonna score the game above whatever, you oh, could then you had a different. It. But yeah. if you went below, then you'd have hold this embargo. Yeah, that's the one thing, and I can't even name the exact game of what that's, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, and people they got eaten alive for it. Whoever. It was. Yeah, so it's just I just I think that people have to understand that there there's this idea that there's like some collusion going on, and maybe there is. I don't know anything about that. I don't think there is really. Um with publisher X and YouTube channel Y or whatever. I just don't think that's happening because publishers are not stupid and they know what's going on and they know that like they're just going to turn the people off that play their games from ever playing their games if they put these like restrictions on that are maybe not even legal and at very least unsavory. So um, so people have to look at it in a, like, a more bird's eye view that like there's a symbiotic relationship between the publishers and the developers and the the press and the media and all that kind of stuff for sure because they make the games we play mm-hmm. the games and that's good for them um if we like the game it may be bad for them if they don't like the game but it's like it's kind of a natural marketplace mm-hmm. you know like i i don't really see it as like something that's really being the invisible hand like kind of works there like good games rise to the top bad games don't really get sent out because they know we're gonna fucking destroy yeah. them so like it's and sometimes good games we don't like and sometimes bad games we do so it all works out but i just think that like there's a little much there's on one hand, like I said earlier, that it's understandable with what has gone on over years past, going way back to Kane and Lynch and all that kind of stuff mm. at GameSpot, um, which was almost 10 years ago now. Uh, but then going all the way forward to today with you know stuff like what happened with Machinima and the FTC getting involved and, and people just kind of being skeptical of things. I understand that. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's very conspiratorial. It's it's like way over the top in terms yeah. of like like the conspiracy theories people really think are happening when people think, you know, when we were at IGN, people were buying review scores. That never happened. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, like that, just... like that literally never happened. So, like, I don't I don't. So, like, I want to say that as well. Like, I understand your fears, but I'm also telling you as someone who's been in this industry a lot longer than many people in the industry, you know, that that like this kind of conspiracy laden shit, at least at the top level that we were at, at the sites we were at and the things we worked at just didn't happen like that. Mm -hmm. You know, so people have to like just kind of look at it through a a lens of of less skepticism, but always remain healthily skeptical. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There's a there's a difference there between a healthy skepticism and over the top. Definitely. So breaking down this thing for me, I think there's a couple interesting things to look at. Is Microsoft buying this wrong? You know, then you go down to that and it's like, all right, then there's the machinima layer of they are technically the managers of and they're the ones that are issuing these contracts to these content creators. Uh Are they wrong for issuing the contracts and not making it clear that they need to make this stuff like that's what they need to do? You need to say it's brought to you by you need to say this or that. Then it gets to the content creators and it's like we're in an interesting world now where it's like you're right. It is ethically wrong and like IGN and GameSpot, whatever they can do this. But what if these people aren't critics? You know, what are these people are making content? They're just making entertaining content. Is it wrong to pay someone to make entertaining content that is favorably um, talking about someone else's product? And that's where the FTC gets involved because there are rules around right. that. Right. And that's because it's when, an advertisement. Yes. That's the difference. When you're passing it off as a product that isn't an ad, that's the problem. Yes. And so it really comes down to this thing of you are actually making an advertisement, which is different than making uh, than reviewing something and how that affects the review and stuff. Sure. Right. So it gets complicated, and what's interesting is that it's machinima that I think is the issue there, because machinima is the thing that need. And again, now they're they're better now, like they got the slap on the wrist. And right, right. This is yours. This, yeah, but machinima is the one at fault. There. They're the buffer. They're supposed yeah. to push back on Microsoft, and right? They're supposed to push no, back, or and, and they're also supposed to make it clear to the content creators that you're allowed to do what you're doing legally. You're allowed to. But in order for it to be legal, you need to have the fine print somewhere. Yeah. You see this on commercials. There's the fine print that'll say whatever was necessary for it to be said. Sure. And we do that. We live by that. Like we 
like there is documents and legal things on every contract that we sign that's like we are legally required to put x y or z in the description or in the video or here or there or mm-hmm. whatever in order to, to be fine and it's like that it's it's not on us you know like that's on whoever we're signing that contract with it's on us to be cool with our audience and to make sure our audience is knows what's up a perfect example is for this uh layers of fear thing we're talking about putting the intro tag on the beginning just say this is brought this is sponsored by brought to you by whatever uh layers of fear we don't need to do that like legally we don't need to do that and actually that's the type of shit that we should charge layers of fear more for that because like that's giving them more bang for the buck every time you mention that we're sponsored by them on your other on the other podcast and technically we should be getting more money like we not should be could be could be yeah you know and it's like but we don't care because to us, it's not about that money when it comes to there. Right. We, we want to do right by them. We want to do right by the audience. And the audience was on the episode one. Like it could have, it should, maybe it should have been. And they're like, all right, sure, all right, why not? Good yeah. point. Yeah. Okay, like, cool. We'll think about that in the future, and it definitely do it case by case. Um, BTW, Kevin, remind me to record that after this. Oh yeah, we were supposed yeah. to do that before this, but no big deal. But I just think it's it's funny to look at it all because I mean Microsoft, you know, shady or not, whatever, it, they're making commercials. Like that's all they're doing. So it's like personally, from a business perspective, them asking people to make advertisements that are favoring their thing there's nothing ethically wrong about that at all that's the point they're literally paying content creators to make commercials for to them. make content yeah paying off reviews and paying off stuff yes that is shady that is weird that is whatever that's not what this is mm-hmm. that's a totally different thing and like you're talking about that with ign and stuff and like that doesn't happen because yeah, <laughs> that is wrong I, I think there's also a level of self-policing that's required i agree with you like microsoft i'm not so, sure in that particular story not knowing like everything about it then, then probably do anything wrong they're trying to manipulate the market um and that's what businesses kind of do that's I mean, what that's commercials the, are yeah, that, yeah that's you're not gonna watch idea. a commercial that's like it's all right machinima i think should have pushed back that's what i always really respected about you know a lot of our experiences with with salespeople in the past where they really do try to protect and many times the editorial like uh, consistency of, of a product to be like well what you want is not acceptable so we're just not going to do it we'll mm-hmm. leave the money on the table we don't want it um and that was really up to machinima to do that and there was another layer where you either care about your 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 ethical standards or not. If you're a YouTuber doing whatever you do, a content creator, so there is there is an onus on the the people at the very bottom as well to to say no to those things. We would have said no to that as well. I mean, it reminds exactly. me it reminds me of um, if I don't have editorial freedom to say and do what I want and anything we do, I'm not doing it. And 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 I think we're all we're all very similar minded with that. It reminds me, I think more recently there was a, a Star Trek MMO or something that that came out and. These, oh this, right! This third party Kotaku or Polygon, wrote about yeah. It? This third party PR agency wanted people to like write about or or do videos about it. And they're like, you have to say this and use this, and maybe we suggest that you say that it's fun for the fan or like whatever it is. And I'm like, if someone said to me, like, you shove that directly in your asshole because I'm not I'm not doing that, you know. And like, I don't think we would even get pitches like that because no, they want to give it. Them. But like the fact that PR, yeah, they know we don't like Star Trek. But again, like I don't know that PR <laughs> was necessarily wrong to do that because they're trying again to manipulate something for their for the benefit of their products. That's how they make their money. It is up to the other side to say like, no, like we don't do that and to set a standard. And I think that, you know, talking about the onus of the people on the bottom, like, you know, I developed a very close relationship with Insomniac Games. I know a lot of people there and I'm like actually close personal friends with Marcus uh, Smith and Marcus. with and with Drew Murray, who are the guy like the co-creative directors of Resistance and Sunset Overdrive. Kevin and um, I are real tight with Ted Price. Rode an elevator with him. Y- yeah, and t- you know, t- I'm on, I'm on a first name basis with many people over there. I've been in, you know studio many times, and and I I a long time ago, no one even asked me to. I'm like I I'm yeah, you I want everyone resistance. to know. Like I'm like I'm not like I I think. I can 100% be honest about the game. And actually, when we gave Resistance, I remember we gave Resistance 3 a 9. They asked us, like, what would you give Resistance 3? I'm like, a 9. But not knowing the score. And they're like, well, that's what we're giving. And I'm like, so there you go. Um, but, you know, I knew that, like, optically, you cross a, a, across a line where it's like, I know in my heart that 
I can look at this objectively, but I understand why you think that I couldn't. And mm-hmm. so like at, at some point you have to just be like, that's not even worth a hill worth dying on at all. Even though I know it's in my heart, I'll just remove myself from the equation completely. So I didn't deal with insomniac at all until sunset overdrive, uh, preview cycle, um, in which I had, you know, some things I liked about it and some things I didn't like about it, but it was a preview. It was not a review. I would have never put myself in a critical position to do to, to that when I was a critic. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is like you have to you have to people have to be smart enough on themselves as individuals to know when they should re- remove themselves, not because they're necessarily doing anything wrong. Because I don't think I, I was doing anything wrong at all by developing my friendships, but by the the knowledge that if I were looking at someone with a relationship like that, talking about something like that, I might be like, hmm, there's something I know he's honest, but you should probably recuse yourself anyway. And that's, it's like when a Supreme court justice recuses him or herself because they have a vested interest in this thing. Like they could probably look at things objectively. That's what they do. They're judges, but there's still the question on if it was mm-hmm. ever, ever happening. So I think that there's another layer below that. Well, I think that's them making their judgment on the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Like what's the best, you know, foot forward. And I think that we do that all the time. And I think that's why we are where we're at is because we're open with everybody and they're open with us. And like we have that conversation and it's like, all right, cool. Well, every single thing we think about going forward, there's not a single thing that happens when shit goes on where we're not like, hmm, how do we feel about this? What should we do next time? And then just is part of next time's whole planning process, execution process, everything. Yeah. The, the, you know, my closing thoughts, I guess, on this are, I agree that if if we're doing something that's sponsored, you'll probably... (laughs) know it in the first millisecond. You know what I mean? Because I'm I'm super uncomfortable not making that clear, which is why when I talk about Layers of Fear when we talked about the order back in the day, I always tried to make that clear. And it wasn't so difficult with the order because I fucking didn't like the game at all. That was bad. But, um, so that would have been an ironic payoff, wouldn't have. But uh, with Layers of Fear, we have to be a little more clear because I was actually quite pleasantly surprised by the game. Um, so people are, are people are going to know, but we would never put ourselves in, in precarious or unsavory positions like that. I just know we wouldn't. So um, you guys either trust us with that or, or you don't, but we should always be open and honest about those things as well. Amen. To be clear, Microsoft paid you not to like the order, right? Yes, okay. to be clear. And also uh, Resistance 3, uh, available on PlayStation 3. By the way, uh, uh, you're, it's your fault that we didn't get another one. I like how Kevin threw that up on the wall. He's like, straight enough. <laughs> <laughs> Topic four, as always. I'm gonna be fine. Don't touch it. I'm gonna be fine. I might have to bail out midway through this, by the way. I'm sorry. Okay, cool. Cool. Have to get on a plane. Topic four, as always, brought to you by the Kind of Funny forums. Go to kindoffunny.com/slash/gamescasttopic. Leave a topic you want us to discuss in the show. I would really, 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 really appreciate it if you tried to pretend you're on Twitter. And like ah, keep, keep, them, keep them short because I'm getting, I'm getting some essays and, it's hard. and today I chose a couple paragraphs. It's a paragraph day. Is that how you feel about that? Yeah. Greg? Yeah. But uh, I would appreciate just short, concise. But let's do it because then I want to do I want to do more. I want to fit more of them into into an episode. All right. We're starting off right with my boy Johnny KC with Kojima on his world tour and hanging out with his buddy Norman Reedus in yeah. search of new technology. Yes. How badass is that? What do you think is going on with Silent Hills? Silent Hills is dead. Yeah. The new Guillermo del Toro, Hideo Kojima, and Norman Reedus horror project is is alive and well. Do you think so? Yeah. That is awesome. And yeah. I, it's great to see all this stuff. I love seeing the whole Twitter adventure go down. Like, Hideo Tube, when, when's that collab happening? We got to make it go down. Oh, yeah. So, I'm really excited about it all. I hope that's what it ends up being. I'm very stoked because next week I got to notice today. That my Kojima Productions uh, care package is shipping. The one I bought. With all, mm-hmm. like, the cup and the shirt and the shot glass. I'm stoked. Yeah. How do you feel like... What do you think Norman Reedus feels right now about all this? You know, he, he Norman Reedus is probably just... He's a... Yeah. 
Norman Reedus, you know what I mean? He's 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 not, he's, he's not a live wire. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's got like I mean, great actor. Don't get me wrong. I've talked to the man. You can see it on kindoffunny.com, but it's just like I'm I'm sure he's happy. I don't know. I would love to talk to him about what it all means to him. Yeah, games and Kojima and all this other stuff. Well, the fact that he posted it on his Instagram was the most interesting thing to me. Like, sure, there's the Kojima Productions logo. It's like. That seems like a off-character thing, just based off the limited shit that I know about the guy. It's not off limit at all. Really, like Norman Reedus do that kind of shit. Norman yeah. Reedus likes to stir the pot. Mm, I, I follow WWW Big Bald Head on <laughs> Instagram. Let me tell you, I know all about it. <laughs> what do you think, Colin? I think you guys are wrong. I don't think he's, he's doing a game with a horror game, and and I don't think it's going to involve Norman Reedus. I think that they expose themselves to incredible litigious action by Konami if they do anything like that. Um, Bring it, they say. Uh, I don't think it'll be their first game out the game. Yeah, I, I think, think it could be. I don't think it'd be the first one either. Well, but then the game's gonna come out in twenty twenty five or something like that. Like it's, yeah. it's so, which is possible. But like we're way ahead. Let's see how like the first game does. Um, no, I don't. I think they might be doing a horror game, but I don't think it would involve anyone that was involved in the old game because I just I don't think that Sony would be that stupid because I do think that it ex- exposes them to incredible amount of like bleed over from the a previous project at a previous company with a previous publisher at a previous engine with previous foreknowledge of what was going on and. That doesn't seem like a smart move. I, I I just don't know that can that Sony would want to get a, in bed with for a PlayStation Four exclusive that is a horror game. I just don't know that that's smart. Um, like the, I we were all excited about PT and we were all excited about Silent Hills and that made sense for Konami. But if Sony is going to get Kojima, then they better get a Metal Gear out of him. And I'm not saying like a literal Metal Gear. And I'm not saying like uh you it has to be like Ground Zeroes or or um Phantom Pain or anything like that. But it like get like a get what he does best out of him. Um, in a way that is affects most uh, sales for PlayStation 4 consoles, and and obviously it'll be on PC as well. So I I just don't you know horror games aren't part of the zeitgeist anymore. They used to be, but they're not. And maybe maybe I think they are more so than they used to be. Mm, well, no, I think like 96, 97, 98, 2001, 2002, like with Silent Hill, Silent Hill, well, I mean, or Silent Hill, Outlast, and Amnesia, and Slender, and all that. I think the Resident Evil 4 sold more than all those games combined. I guess that's the point I'm trying, I guess that's the kind of point I'm trying to make. I love Outlast. I'm not saying that there's not a place for them. I'm just saying like, if you count PC sales, are you sure? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I mean, like, think about Resident Evil, think about the Zeitgeist, well, maybe you were a little young, but like, and I mean, that's an insult, but like, Resident Evil, no, I, PS1 I know, I know. was like, but I mean, like, just know, like looking at the like with what PewDiePie has done with that stuff. I was going to say, I feel like Let's they've been players, on the upswing like, lately, and I think PT was the one where I was like, oh shit, here's somebody who's going to put a lot of stuff like on Like make it. this a real thing. And I think, you know? again, yeah. you're just jumping to the conclusion. I don't think it's the first game out the gate. I don't think it needs to be Sony's game, but I think that you see them all collaborate again on, on a horror game down the line. Maybe, but that's so far away. It's like, that's, I don't know. I just, I just don't think that's a smart use of him. You know, I don't, I wasn't so sure it was a smart use of him to do Silent Hills. Like, I, I just, I, I don't know. Like, his... His, I mean, he's done Zone of the Enders and other things, but like he's about the cinematic quality of this like weird. He does weird shit. I don't. I don't. I just sounds perfect for a horror game. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know that. I think horror is full of tropes and and even playing PT, which I thought was clever. We played it together and it was fine. I I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I just. I don't know. My personal opinion on it is that he he's so much more clever than that. You know, like I just don't know. I don't know if I was Sony, I wouldn't be like do exactly what you're going to do with Konami. You know, like I was like. But again, it doesn't have to be the Sony game. Yeah, but what are you, what are you saying? It doesn't have to be the Sony game. The, the Sony game, I don't understand what you're saying. So you're saying, like, hypothetically, in 10 years, he's going to battle a horror game? That, I mean, what, be- I, why can't he be, like, in a Fune and work on multiple things? Why can't there be multiple I don't games think that's, on? that's I don't think that that's what's going to happen. His okay. his production company signed a deal with Sony to make a game. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't think it's going to... In a Fune, it's totally different. It's like, concept is a farm, basically, that works on a bunch of different games and he doesn't really seem to work on any of them. So I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't see it that way. I think that he's going to be very hands-on and pr- 
just like he's always done. You know, but we'll see. I don't know. I, I, if that's what people want, I hope I'm wrong. I don't really give a flying fuck what he does, to be honest with you. Like, I think that it's the story about it is way more interesting than the game. Of course. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Liquid Snake One says, hello, longtime listener, first time suggestion. Both Greg and Colin have slightly discussed this topic as far as the company's financials are concerned, but my topic is more personal. I've been working at GameSpot, GameStop for over two years now, and I want to make a career out of it. I love games, but I have no desire to make or really write about them, but I love the sale industry and how I can help other gamers play great games i've done many jobs being in my mid-20s and have also served in the marines after all these jobs i know this is my passion what i want to do my fear is the digital age will eventually ruin gamestop and i'll not be able to work in this part of the industry do you believe there'll always be a place for these jobs any comments will help i just want feedback from professionals as no one i know personally knows the video game industry near nearly as much as i do sorry this was so long hashtag calling us right no, I mean, that job is not long for this world, obviously. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to take. I, a substantial part of our audience has a significant problem with me talking, especially on PS. I love you about the digital revolution. And there are a lot of things, stop gaps that are going to stop it from happening very immediately, including bandwidth. Internet. Yeah. Bandwidth and Internet infrastructure and stuff like that. But like I've often talked about people like with the, what, what 5G means and all these kinds of things like, well, we even really need wired Internet in five years. And and like what like what will what will the, the future complexion of all of this look like? And then hard drive space and and just the ability to get games on the uh, you know um whenever you want them it's 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 a similar movement with what's happening with uh, paperback and hardback uh, hardcover books to to kindle for instance like kindle is going to kill those like there's always going to be a small market for them and i think books are 10 times more likely to exist in 50 years than in you know physical form than a game um but the thing about him is that if you the thing that you might not be looking at is if he likes selling games and he likes doing all that stuff there's there you can work at a publisher you can work at a developer and be a marketing guy exactly. you, can, you can be like um on the sales like the sales teams of these games you know these you know go to sony for instance and um they they have to they have salespeople, they have marketers they have like people that really like, get into the nitty-gritty of how how do we get people to like this game or make this game what what about this game is most salient and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff so you know he worked he was in the marines thank you for your service you can if you you might have a college degree you might not use that service to get your college degree if you can using the gi bill and like and get involved and in, on the publisher side and i think that that's always going to be safe there's always even though games are going to be published physically forever games will always be published yeah i mean you the know? other thing too is games will always be sold digitally or sold period like whether it's digital or physical mm-hmm. and it's like i feel like there's there's going to be some somewhere he can work that's selling them i think gamestop will exist in some form even if it's like a digital distribution thing that requires jobs like people work in those things so if you work up your way like he's talking about going up he's not talking about just being a sales like mm-hmm. a, a normal um associate or whatever yeah associate yeah. like he's talking about moving on up like that's i think that will be around i don't think gamestop's just going to go away um it might change exactly what it is It'll or whatever evolve, yeah. but it's like that's like steam you know what i mean like steam exists that's steam sells games you could work there and you know that could be a job people need to work there for it to be a thing so i think there'll always be there will always be jobs in doing that type of stuff it will be a different job than what you're doing right now yeah don't be pessimistic about it i mean just think be optimistic about it because it's the opportunities will just be different but if you like selling games you like talking about games you like talking to games with people i think you're gonna have a job a secure job for a very long time Glorious G123 says, hey, buds, while I primarily roll with Xbox, I'm super interested in PlayStation still, even after buying a one and not a PS4. My coworker is trying to persuade me to buy a PS4 to play Doom and all the Sony hotness this year. I have the money, but I don't know if I should get another console when I can get the same game on my primary platform. Thoughts and advice. Don't do it. I mean, if you want to play Doom, I don't know why you would buy a PS4. That was what he said, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And all the other Sony hotness. Yeah, I mean, Uncharted's coming out on Horizon. I mean, and maybe The Last Guardian, maybe some other shit I don't know about. But 
there's nothing. I'll say this again. There is nothing wrong with being evangelical and loyal to a console. Like I don't, I don't buy the fanboy argument. I don't. I mean, as long as you're not illogical and irrational about it, there's nothing wrong with being like I have an Xbox and I play Xbox games. There's only so much time in the day, and there's no, nothing wrong with saving the PlayStation or Nintendo if that's what you want to do. If Doom's the game that he's bringing up, then there's absolutely no reason to buy a PlayStation Four unless he's interested in like a series of exclusive titles right so yep. but i don't i just don't buy the argument that like you, to be a real gamer you have to have everything i just don't buy that at all i don't i don't think it makes you less of a gamer to have one console and to be um passionate about that one console and play games on that one console i don't think there's anything wrong with that we've um, already got, got past the tipping point right where there's too many games to play mm-hmm. so yeah you shouldn't feel bad to have one console and that's what you play on if he's looking at playstation 4's lineup and all the exclusives and that those are the what he wants then yeah buy it yeah. I mean, I like you know I have them both, and I rarely use my Xbox. Not because I hate Xbox, just because for the majority of things I want to play and get trophies, right? But when that Xbox exclusive comes around, I put on the Xbox and play it, and I bought it knowing that's what it was going to be for, and I'm fine with that decision. Mm-hmm. I think I read the question a little bit differently. I think that if you have the money, like go for it. If you want to play the games with your friends, like if your friend has a PlayStation Four, I think that's a worthy investment because then you get to play the multiplayer games sure. in that ecosystem and stuff. It's something you see like with Alfredo all the time, where it's like he was Xbox 360, but then his group of people was split between the PS4 and Xbox One, and I. Think think that if you have the financial means to do it you should have both and you know you play these games with these people you play those games with those people and kind of just make those decisions that way because i mean if those are the type of games you play or games with friends then yeah it's totally worth it yeah Yeah, but he has to ask himself yeah i get that and i I come from a different perspective because i just don't care about playing with other people like that's just not how i play games but the doom thing was to me is like all right so if you're gonna buy doom and get it for 60 dollars on your xbox one you already own it and play with people maybe you don't know or a friend or two that has an xbox one or you have a 400 dollars investment is that really worth it Unless you're really going to get a lot more out of four hundred dollars than just Doom, if you're going to play, you know, all the future multiplayer mm-hmm. exclusives. I just, I just don't want people to ever think that they have to go all in on all this stuff because I always said that like my least favorite generation, even though I loved GameCube so much, was the game. I had a GameCube and Xbox and a PS2 and hundreds of games for like across all those libraries. I had a fucking asinine amount of GameCube games, especially, and uh, it was the least satisfying, least focused gaming years of my entire life because i was like well i got money now and i gotta play everything and i'm like well, this is like, i don't even know what the fuck i'm doing half the time i'm buying like half these games i don't even open them you know like because i feel like i have to i feel like it, to be a gamer i have to go to the store every week and buy this and have this console and i was just like nah just just focus on what makes you happy and if it makes you happy and you can get a lot out of all these consoles and do that but never feel like you have to do it yeah to like prove something last question comes from our good friend lou turbo lou what, turbo what how's cat- the audio sound what category of games is nintendo lacking that you think would be great for a new ip splatoon appears to have been a decent seller for nintendo this was their first attempt at an online multiplayer shooter they were clearly late to the party but it still seemed to work i feel like an mmo could be cool but the existing formula is stale and would need a lot of work slash nintendo polish to feel different and fresh no tim you can't just say a pokemon mmo feel free to discuss that but that's too easy i agree it is too easy i also do agree that an MMO would be great. And you're right. I mean, Nintendo will add a twist. I don't know what it is, but to make it special in the same way they did with Splatoon. I don't think that they were late to the party on the first version shooter thing. It's totally different. Like, it's a different party almost, you know? Mm-hmm. A Mario party, some would ah, say. Um, is Splatoon really an FPS? Uh, or shooter, whatever. Sorry. It's a third-person shooter. Yeah, right? it's third-person. Okay. Because I was going to say, the first-person shooter... I'm right, right? Splatoon yeah, is right, in right. my head, right? Mm-hmm. Uh First person shooter. I mean, they, so this was an old debate at, at IGN with me and Mark Ryan specifically, and I thought he was completely dead wrong about it, which was, is Metroid a, he used to call it an adventure game. And I was like, it's a fucking first person shooter, you know? And Metroid and, Prime. Metroid Prime, yeah. And uh, I was like, but the funny thing about what Retro did with those games is that those games, even though they didn't sell very well, I mean, people overestimate Metroid's importance in the Nintendo ecosystem like a lot, but I love Metroid. And um, 
those games are great. Yeah. And I, I wonder, even though it's so un-Nintendo, they did something with a Nintendo IP that was brilliant. And I think that maybe first-person sh- first person shooters aren't going anywhere. I agree that the the Pokemon, first thing that came to my mind was Pokemon MMO, of course. Um, but if he doesn't want that answer, I would say like a first-person shooter, like something gritty and hardcore, like, the, you know, the conduit on Wii or whatever was not mm-hmm. a Nintendo game. It was a high-voltage game, I think, but I think that was who, the, who did it. But, um, right? I don't even remember. Don't but it was different. And like it attracted like the smaller, they did a sequel because it sold well enough, but it attracted this audience where they're like, oh, like I don't expect to find this here. Mm, kind of like Mad World. Yeah, exactly. Um, the original Platinum game. So it's it's like, so to me, it's, it's uh, you know, I like, you know, we, we expect the quirky platformers and the side scrollers and the, the fucking kart racers and the fighting game and all that kind of stuff. But where's the first person shooter? Mm-hmm. You know, like I'd like to see them do that and, not, and like a new, maybe not Metroid, but something just new and different, something yeah. Doesn't well, Metroid, Metroid's the like first per or first, one player first person shooter. Like, and I guess Splatoon kind of is their answer to what a first person shooter um, multiplayer game would be, even though it's not first person. Like, it's still like a multiplayer shooter game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see what an actual uh, multiplayer based, like more of a Call of Duty style first person shooter game could look like. Mm. Um, built for the system, built yeah, from the ground up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But otherwise, man, I mean, I, I feel like Nintendo really is well represented in terms of the genres and in terms of having something for every single thing that's totally a twist on what everyone else does and that's why i love them that's that's why there is that nintendo polish to all the stuff that they do whether it's fire emblems um strategy thing or it's mario karts racing or it's whatever it's it's always more like fun it's just the more fun light-hearted you know version of it's the disney version and nintendo I love games are shit. always fun that's that what they succeed at you sit down you play them you're gonna have a good time yeah no matter what genre it is. Like RPGs. Like they have the Mario RPGs and all that stuff. It's gold. The genre they're yeah. lacking is a console golf game featuring Mario mm. and Dry Buns. Mm. That's a very specific You're just genre. saying. I haven't seen one of those in a long time. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the first ever episode 58, 58 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. The last one ever too as well. Oh Thank you for joining God. me. I'm Tim Geddes. That's Greg Miller. That's Colin Moriarty. Kevin's somewhere out there doing some stuff, talking to Nick Scarpino. Being a potato. Until next time. I love you. Taters up.